Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Before we get into it, I recorded this seven months ago, and it's so interesting listening back as someone who's already healed so much and is so transformed from the date that I recorded this. I recorded it in July of 2021, and on that day, I was having the biggest breakdown day ever, and I really uncovered some deep, deep things that I was going through, and I chose to get in front of my microphone and have this catharsis about the experience. I thought about re-recording it because listening back, I have all these insights and ideas and ways that I could contribute to your healing and give you resources and tips and tricks and things like that but the authentic moment is what I think is important to share so that's what you're going to get on this episode is the chaos of life experience as it's happening I'm really grateful for everybody who listens I love looking at analytics I am such a nerd and every time I see the different countries and states and cities that people listen in. I just think, who are you people? (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you get a lot of value out of this episode. Hi, my name is Janice Cruz and you're listening to the Self Love Science Podcast. And today I want to talk about cancer and PTSD. So I am in remission from cancer Um, on the day that I'm recording this episode. um, I'm two weeks away from my next check-in with my doctor. And I want to break down the experience to be a patient. Um, (laughs) and, And what it's like leading up to this visit and what it's like in life when the experience of being someone who has to live a life knowing that at any moment cancer could come and and take everything I have away from me. So so first of all, I want to talk about what happens to me when I'm going to have an appointment. So right now it's about two weeks away. Um, I had a year remission in April of 2021. It was a very exciting day. Um, my last test before that, I don't even remember when I had it. I think it was, it was in January and everything was cool. I had a mammogram that was cool. And I was like, yes, freedom. Now I get to breathe a little bit. Um, my, my next test was supposed to be, I think in like April. Um, but my oncologist got herself pregnant and I had to wait till she came back from maternity leave. (laughs) So now it's in July. Um, so like two weeks away, mind you, I've got other things going on right now. So there's definitely like my emotional state is kind of up and down, but, um, I'm going to guess everyone's got their own process for this, right? But I'm going to guess that we are all kind of dealing with it, but there's some similarities. I'm sure what it feels like is 
when it's two weeks away, I start um, planning. I start mentally preparing for if the results go one way or another, what would I do? Um, In my Conquering Fear episode, I talked to you about how I run through the fear scenarios all the way through to the end. I'm not going to let fear own me. So what I do is I'll say, okay, well, if the cancer is staying away, my body is completely inhospitable to cancer, then life goes back to normal. I celebrate. Like on that day, I'll probably go visit my grandmother's grave and just like cry tears of joy and say, woo, you know, I get another like a few months or whatever of freedom where I don't have to think about this. And then I have to... um you know, address like the next part, which is, okay, let's say cancer decides to make a comeback. And the reason we fear cancer is because even when you get it all, it does sometimes make a comeback. To everyone going through this, I see you. (laughs) I see you and I feel you and I get it. So let's say cancer comes back. Then I start thinking through like, okay, where is my daughter going to stay? Okay, she'll stay with my parents. Um, What will I do about work? Uh, Is it going to be six weeks of treatment again? Um, Is there more radiation this time? Um, the, the, The cancer treatment I went through like a few months, the radiation was five days a week. For six weeks as well. Or was it eight weeks? It was a while. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it was, I think it was eight weeks. So then I'm like, okay, well, how do I coordinate that with my schedule? And then of course, like, oh, so I'm probably going to lose my hair again. I got a whole box of wigs. I got a pink one. I never even busted it out. I'll just fix that one up. You know, that'll probably be the first wig I wear. Um, what am I going to do for food? What am I going to do about my finances or my rent? So you have to look at like, okay, if if it comes out like this, like what does that look like? What does my life look like? How do I prepare? What questions do I need to ask this time? You know, and and okay, cool. That's like the best case of the worst case scenarios. Um, what if it comes back and it spread? You know, can I handle the things that I did the first time? Am I strong enough to do it again? Like, I'm so strong now, but can I do this again? It was so brutal the first time. You know, what would I do different if I had to go through this again? What are things I do different? I think of this lady that I saw in the elevator one time when I was on my way to chemo, and I was just like, I don't know. And she's like, oh, you're going to chemo? And I was like, yeah. She goes, oh, is this your first cancer? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, breast cancer. I said, yeah. Because we were like in the, the breast care center. It's like a whole floor. And I said, you? And she's like, oh, I've had it three times. And she was there for like to paint. <laughs> she wasn't there for treatment. She was like at the hospital, I guess, for comfort to be around her people. And I was like, oh shit. Three times. Um, so leading up to it, there's like kind of a, a blocking out and then there's a confronting. 
And then there was a planning phase. And then you're like, okay. And usually like a week away, I start feeling stressed, anxious. It gets a little more challenging to um, to just participate in the day-to-day. There's a lot more like tears that week and a lot more like everything's going to be okay. You've got to believe. You have to have faith. You have to know that it's going to be okay no matter what, you know, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. And that's why I run through the fear-based, like run through the scenario and get it all out. And then there's the day of, ugh. I've always gone by myself. And even the last time I took somebody with me, I was like, no, I need to, I need to do this on my own. Nobody's going to sit in that chair but me. People can support me and all my joy and my happiness. But at this moment, there's just, you're walking down the hallway so that somebody can tell you if you're going to die young. You're walking down the hallway to see if somebody's going to tell you that you have hope. You're walking down this hallway and it smells like rubbing alcohol and like the smell of the, the I don't remember what the name of it is, like they call it the red devil and like how sick I was. And I was just like, ah, you're walking down the hallway to find out if you have to go through that again, if you have to conquer it again, if you have to face your fears again. And so far, every time I've walked out, everything's been like cool. And then I go visit my grandmother's grave and I cry because nobody cares that you're crying. Nobody wonders why you're crying at a cemetery. No matter how loud you're crying, no matter how bad it is, you don't have to feel ashamed of like having those breakdowns. And then like the PTSD part. I have done no research on PTSD because I have experiential learning. I have like what what people would study to understand the effects of this and the mind. And I always want to say this before I get into it. Like I am so happy and it is so authentic. If you if you listen to any of my podcast episodes or you watch any of my videos, I am so honest there. I am just being my best, happiest self. That's the state that I live in. That's where my joy is at all the time, right? Aside from my breakdowns, aside from my moments where, you know, I can't cope as well. Um so as far as as far as post traumatic stress disorder or just post traumatic stress i suppose it influences um rational thinking it influences my decision making it um affects relationships with people So first of all, like my first, the first time I knew I had PTSD was in January, right? I had all these things crash and there was like this conduit through which 
I realized that I was like moving at this crazy pace. I was like trying to force something along. And um, it was very eye-opening because like when when things, you know, fell apart, I was like, what was that? You know, I realized I had filled up my life. Like I had my little cousin, my nine-year-old cousin passed away on February 26th and I was down there. And I was like working and I was in school and I couldn't like just be fully present in what was happening. I remember like texting my cohort, uh, my, my classmate and saying, Hey, I'm at a funeral. Can you tell the professor that I can't attend class today? Um, and I was like, what life am I living? Why am I doing this? Why have I filled my space with so much shit? And I looked backwards and we were, I was going down memory lane. I was like, I was there for the saddest reason in the world. And I was around my family and I was just like, I loved being around these people. One of my cousins that I grew up with, I love her so much. And I was so grateful to be around her. And we were both talking about you know, friendships and wanting positive people in our lives. And I'm just like looking at her like, man, if I lived here, I would want to spend all my time with you. And um, and I miss so much of life because I was always filling my time. But this time I was like, this is not me running towards the goal. I'm running away from death. I'm running from like on the treadmill of fear because I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough time to accomplish everything that I want to. I'm just like, I have this five-year time frame in my mind. And I think it's I think it's five years because of like, that's the remission period. And then after five years, you're a survivor. And like, you know, there's data and numbers and percentages. Like at five years, here's this a percentage chance that you're here or not. And um. And I think like in business, when I read about like goals that people set, they talk about five-year plans and um, I'm just like, I need to make it before then. I'm a year into remission. I need to win in four years now. And if I'm two years in remission, I'm like, I need to win in three years. And that's how life is occurring to me. So. When I learned that, that I was really depressed beneath my joy, like my joy was very real, absolutely. But there was like, you know what it is, is I healed everything from the past. So I didn't realize like, oh, I, I have something now, like something that built up from this. All my my past, my historic trauma has been dealt with the backlog of things but I didn't recognize like what was like the present moments thing that had built up. Rightly so, right? <laughs> Who the fuck wouldn't be afraid of dying after you got fucking cancer is what I'm saying. So it makes me very present to how important time is to me that I spend it with people that I care about and who care about me in return. 
I had this like huge breakdown one day and it was like the day after I had um, surgery and I didn't tell any of my friends because I was in the thick of the darkness and my friend like she's you know we don't show up at each other's houses or anything and this is like my lifelong friend and she had came to my house and she goes I was driving past your exit on the highway and something just told me to to come off and I guess she called me and I didn't pick up and I called her and she had, you know, already left. And I just had this breakdown. And this is like my lifelong, you know, my, not for my whole life, but my whole adult life, one of my best friends. And um, I just like cried my heart out to her. And I was like, I love you so much. And I want to know that you love me too. And I said it to her. I was like, I want to know that if I'm not here that I will be missed by you specifically and, and this group of friends that I have. I was like, I've invested so much time in you guys. If I'm not with you, I think about you. When I'm with you, I feel at ease and peace. One of my other friends recently was saying how these are just the easiest friendships she's ever had to have. And I was like, yeah, that's what it is. And I was like, I love you and I want to be loved by you in return. And she was like, hell yeah, I love you. <laughs> and it's like reciprocated love, you know, the best love that, I mean, the best love is self-love. But to love someone and be loved in return is wonderful. It's a really valuable life experience. And so if like someone isn't recognizing my value, it hurts deeply because the way that it occurs to me, it's not just like, oh, here's some asshole. It's like, if I were not here one day, any of us, right? Not just because of cancer, but for any reason, like my little cousin, like that was not supposed to happen. No one could have ever expected that. So innocent, so beautiful and sweet. And and now we just have her like imprinted on our hearts. She was so loved and she loved so many people. This whole city came together for her. This whole city came together. When she died, she broke hearts that had never laid eyes on her. Because everybody was like, what? She's so beautiful. And that's how it feels now. Is that if I am, like, I have so much love to give now. I'm so open. I'm so authentic. I'm so honest. I'm so free with the way that I give love that, um, you know, I'm learning that I just can't, like, not everybody's going to move at this pace because everybody doesn't have this thing looming over them. Right. Like, I feel like people have the luxury of believing they have forever, but I have the gift of knowing that I don't. So Sometimes the pain runs a little deeper because it's like, ooh, you know that, do you know that one day 
we're not all going to be here. Do you know that in a moment's notice, someone could disappear? How could you not value a person? And I think that there's a lot of beauty in that way of thinking. And there's also like, okay, but you still need to participate in the, in the real world. You know, I still need to work. I still need to be present for my daughter. She don't care what I'm going through. But if I cry, that little girl, I've done something right. Cause she just is like, it's going to be okay, mommy. You're so sweet. You're so nice. You're so wonderful. She just like knows to shower me with love. That's what I give her. And, um, yeah, like if you, if you know what I'm talking about, maybe it's not from critical illness. Maybe your life experience, you just went through something and the reality of the finality is just ever present in your worldview. I wish I could give advice on like how to ignore it, but, um, I don't, I don't do that. I allow myself to feel it. It's important. I think to experience the emotional distress of everything, you have to go through it. And I'm in therapy. So I much, I've, I highly recommend. I found a wonderful therapist. I asked a trusted friend whose spouse happens to be a therapist I asked her for a recommendation and she referred me to someone and I just feel like I don't think there could be a more perfect fit for me. You know, this person is so compassionate and so kind and a wonderful listener and everything that she says resonates the first time I spoke with her was after my cousin passed away and after I had this other shit going on and I just, I had this like arrogance of I'm whole, perfect and complete, you know, like we all are, we're all doing great. We are all in the perfect place based on what we've learned so far. We're all in the right space on the board, but I was just like, I already know all the answers, you know? And I was talking to her at this first visit and I was like sitting in my car, you know, cause I needed some quiet. Um, and I was like, I know I have PTSD. I've already realized that I'm running, you know, away from something and not towards something. And just like her presence radiating from the video call. And I just, was bawling, letting it all out and crying. And I was like, I've been doing this for way longer than these recent set of circumstances. So I've been, I'm pretty deep into the, in the realm of self-development. I've been doing it for 10 years. I've done a lot of workshops. I've read a lot of books. I have worked with coaches and therapists and done group therapy and I've gone to um, meetings. If you, when I say meetings, you know or you don't know. Um, like in support of a friend going to AA meetings. And I've done small groups. <laughs> People heal. 
in so many ways. There are so many resources for healing. If you can't afford therapy, there's like free calls that you can get onto. You can, you can go to church. I went to church four times this year. In the month of February, I went to this and it was like all about relationships. And I was like, this is like a free self-development seminar. Why the hell have I been paying like $900 a weekend? That's literally the thought I had when I went to church. First time I went to church, I was lost. I was just like wandering through the world. And I was like, please, like I need relief from this pain. And somebody had recommended a church. So I had like one name of one church in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to that one then. And I just sat in the back and they turned the lights down and it was this huge space. And I just started crying. Good Lord. I have cried so many times this year, this week, even today. And it just like all this ease washed over me. You know, I hadn't had that. I'm not a person who goes to church. The last time I went to church, I must've been in my twenties when I was like kind of seeking God in my life. And I went a few times and I was like, mm, it's okay, but y'all don't like the gays. So, you know, so now I just, I mean, I got so much value out of it. I got so much comfort. I loved it. I loved it. I just want to say one thing about like religion specifically, not spirituality. Prayer has been it for me. I was of the belief that, you know, church is this judgmental ass group of people. There are people who fake the funk in their lives. They are liars, cheaters, and thieves. They place a lot of judgment on others. And I realized that because there were people who were like these kind of quote unquote Bible thumpers and they pushed religion with fear attached to it. If you do not act in accordance with what we discuss when you come into this weekly meeting, you are going to hell. And I was like, hell sounds like a fun place because all the cool kids are there, apparently. You can't say swear words, you can't wear this, you can't do that. Like what happened to just falling through the Ten Commandments? You know, those are pretty fair. Those are solid. Thou shalt not kill. Solid rule. I'm down to abide by that one, you know? And I, I realized that like, I was like, none of those things are God. Those are people. Those are personality traits that piss me off. You know, I don't like arrogance. I don't like the exclusivity of what these organizations try to do. I don't like the, this is an exclusive club and you must meet these criteria. I think if you're like in a fucked up place, then that should be enough. If you're happy, you want to be around happy people, that should be enough. If you're like, hey, I think there's something bigger than me. Is there? That should be enough. Throughout my, my journey, I had to like, redevelop. So in AA, they talk about creating a God of your own understanding. I took a Bible verse that was on my mom's shower curtain. Yeah. I was like sitting down, taking a piss. And I read this Bible verse and it was like, if you have faith, even like a mustard seed, you can move this mountain from here to there and it will move. 
And I looked at it like, okay, if I were going into the self-help section and I, and I had no context for religion, would I pick up this book? Right. And I'm like, there's some, there's some hot shit in the Bible. Okay. I said it. And then I had a friend that's Muslim and, and you know, my coworker and she was like, girl, I'm Muslim. We pray five times a day. I'm pray for you five times a day. So I took this Bible verse and I started studying it. Like, what does it mean? Like, how do you move a mountain? Is it literal? What are the mountains? You know, are they these figurative mountains, these hurdles? I was like, I'm trying to climb some mountains right now. Matter of fact, I would love to move them out the way. And then I prayed five times a day to start. And then I made a God of my own understanding. And then I remembered this one professor in college, one golden nugget. And he said, if God made man in his image, do horses see a horse God? And I was like, that's a fair question. Do crickets see a cricket God? So I was like, maybe God is a Hispanic woman. I made my own version of God. And I realized that I was like letting people steal God from me because I was annoyed with them. And so I was like, oh, like leave me alone. I did not want to be left alone by the concept of spirituality. I wanted to be left alone. I, I wanted to be free of the judgment and shame and guilt that they were trying to force place upon me. And whatever it takes to keep you good, like the, all of, I'm saying all of those things for the, for the demographic of people who fit the narrative that I fit in. God is dope. Call it something else. If it doesn't speak to you to say God, say she, if it speaks to you to say she, say the, the universe, spirituality, higher self, my purpose, the ether, space, whatever. You need a place to pour things into. I was so angry. I was so angry. When I got diagnosed, when I was bald, I was like, yo, this is some evil shit. If I ever saw it, I'm a young mother. Um, and I'm standing here bald head in my room with no eyebrows and no eyelashes. And I'm like, fuck this, you know? And I'm going to say it, all right? Okay. I put my middle fingers to the sky and I told God where he could stick it every day. And I was praying like a Muslim. So I started by telling him where to stick it five times a day. And then my prayer um, started building up to 25 times a day. Actually, <laughs> like I was praying sometimes all day, sometimes five hours at a time. And what I know now as a person who who considers herself now to be very spiritual. My faith is so strong. I am so grateful that I skipped over what other people had said to me about their values and I ignored all of the peanut gallery. I was like, you know what? I don't need your opinion. I'm busy. Um, getting cancer is like getting old. Like there's a certain level you reach that you're like, oh, I don't have to care what anybody thinks anymore. You know how like old people are like, I'm gonna wear pants or I'm gonna not wear pants. What are you going to say to an old person who says, I'm going to go outside and I'm not wear pants? What are you going to do? What are you going to say to me? You know, nothing. They're like, I've been through so much judgment, so much shit, and I realize it's all empty and meaningless. You don't matter. This person don't matter. You're going to move away. This person's going to make a new friend. This is going to be over there instead of over here. Like, everything's just going to change. That's what it's like to have cancer. I'm just like, thank you for your judgment. Stick it back in your pocket, okay? Because in these pockets, ain't nothing but love. And I was like, y'all can't take God from me. 
And what I didn't know at the time when I was putting my middle fingers to the, the, the roof in my room, in my parents' bedroom, where I was a 35-year-old woman living with my parents, is all this anger that was inside of me that a lifetime had built up, anger that people placed on me, that I had been placing on others. I had been trying to like look for where does this anger go? I sent it up to the ether and it dissolved. I was pouring my fears and my anger into this concept of God. The concept of God was if if God made man in his image, God is a young Hispanic woman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who's a young mother who has cancer. And if that's what God is, I, I like it. I'm into it, you know. So prayer is really amazing. If you, like, I would say if you're teetering, cool. If you're an atheist, I got it. Use meditation. <laughs> um, if you're Muslim, pray to Allah five times a day. If you don't have religion, you ain't sure. Go back to the drawing board and erase everything anybody's ever told you. I looked at the, the Bible like a science book. I said, okay, for thousands of years or whenever this book was written in its alleged time, it has been important enough that people push it forward. And I know people use it for bad. But most of my experience with church, maybe because I didn't like grow up heavy in church, we went sometimes. I remember feeling like people were really nice to me. I met some genuinely nice people. So my experience was like, this seems like a happy crowd. Like people, you know what I wouldn't do that I see church people doing? If your friend don't come to church for three weeks, you go knock on the door with some soup and you'd be like, ay, no te he visto en iglesia. I haven't seen you in church in a couple of weeks. Está todo bien? Are you okay? I'd be like, where are you at, bro? Oh, this person's ignoring me. Forget it. FOMO. Let's see what they're doing on Instagram so I can be mad that they ain't showing up. Whatever. Church people are like, I care about your happiness. I care about your your consistency. And they check in on people. I like that. I like that about church, you know. Um, now, you heard my take on God making us in their image. Meaning to me, everyone that exists needs to exist so that we can learn from each other. Because we are not all as different as we'd like to think. Going into these self-development seminars, after a while, you're like, I done heard the same stories over and over and over from different people, different cultures, different backgrounds, different versions, all going through similar things. And so, you know... Find the words that speak to you and and follow that path. You know, if atheism is your jam, don't go and destroy what it is that makes somebody else happy any more than you want somebody to, to tell you that you should believe differently than you do. I would say to you who does not believe in a, in a higher power, um, look at the Fibonacci uh, algorithm or whatever it's called, like those 
mathematical um, science and it, like math, math and nature, right? The vastness of the universe. Find something bigger than you anyway. The Grand Canyon, the beach, like something. Find something that takes you outside of the small vessel you're in and makes you feel connected to something bigger. That's dope too. All of it's okay. All of it's okay. Um, but for me, prayer, it's one of the, the tools that I have that I just sometimes need to fall to my knees and just say, like, okay, if there is a God out there, give me another day like today. Even a bad one. I'll take another day being sad and alive than, you know, feeling like things are going to go different. So that's how I deal with it, you know. That's how I deal with the PTSD. That's how I get back to happiness. That's how I uh, am able to live in my purpose every day. Like I'm, this week has been intense for me. Today is intense for me. I had to ask for help today, you know, from a few people. I had to let people know I was unavailable to participate in life today. I was like, I'm going to check out for 24 solid hours um, and I'll be back at it tomorrow. (laughs) You know, like I think um, checking out for a minute is a really great coping mechanism. As long as you get back on your purpose, you got to find that purpose, you know? Um, So yeah, I, I don't know what people deal with. I think if I had to guess that my story resonates with people based on what I know of how we work and what people go through, at least some parts of it. Maybe you didn't, maybe it's not critical illness, but maybe you grew up in a really dangerous place. And you're like, man, so many times just walking home from school, I was terrified. And sometimes to this day, I'm at the grocery store and I feel like I have to look over my shoulder just in case. What is that like for you? What would you replace it with? What would you replace the fear with? What do you do to cope? I would give you my kindness, my love, and forgiveness freely, as though it were the secret to happiness on earth. My loves, I hope all of your dreams come true.